0: If you'll turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 1, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, I'm going to start there in a second, but like I just said, I had this opportunity to take a trip to Israel over the past few weeks, took my family, God was gracious, allowed us to go, worked it out, that we could go, and we saw many incredible sites, many archaeological sites that showed how accurate the Bible is. And if you weren't with us last week, I went through a series of slides, and I um, tied it into a couple key verses, and I hope that you'll go back and you'll listen to the podcast. And if you ever want to just see the slides, I'll send those to you. Um, I'll send you that slideshow. But I would encourage you at least to listen to the podcast, because I believe you will find great blessing in there to understand how the Bible is true and I showed for example the picture of that stone that was from Pontius Pilate that validated that Pilate was a real and that he was a a, 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 a prefect it was just amazing the the accuracy of the Bible and last week I said that not only are we going to talk about truth but this week we're going to talk come into this week and we're going to talk about the temple and that's what we're going to do today but it's beyond just the temple the temple is going to be a key part of what we're going to talk about but what i want to do is to let you understand how god has worked throughout history to make his name known and so if you have your sermon notes you can pull those out if you're visiting we put sermon notes in the bulletin and it says this is a theme and why getting the word out must be important to you and so what I'm hoping to do is give you some examples of what I saw in Israel, how God worked to display to get his message out. And so what you're going to see, I hope, is God's heart. And I want you to understand that as we go through these pictures. And You're going to see here in a second a picture of me on the Temple Mount and um, what, what, how this all ties into God working to get his message out look at hebrews chapter one verse one it says god after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways in these last days has spoken to us in his son and so as the author of hebrews is writing he recognizes that god is now working through jesus christ but it doesn't mean that god's done with the bible and the new testament because we know the apostle paul and john and matthew all write new testament books and we still preach the word But I wanted to start with this expression that God long ago spoke to the fathers and the prophets in many portions, in many ways. And we recognize that there were prophets and they did many signs. And I want to show you some of the ways that I believe God has sovereignly worked throughout history so that you can understand his heart for getting the message out. We know that in the Bible, a passage like we just read, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says... So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And the passage is that deals with the fact that we must get the word out. We know in the gospel of Matthew it ends up in the fact that you're to go, therefore, and make disciples of the whole world, right? Well, if you're like me, I've often wondered, why in the world does God say, go, therefore, to the church? But why didn't he say that to Israel? Why didn't he tell Israel to go out into the world? And today, what I want to do is I want to show you what God was doing in the Old Testament. And my trip to Israel allowed me to see it. So, Brian, if you could put up the slides. And I'm hoping this will be a real good blessing. God makes himself known, a a look at three ways in history. So, if you're visiting, we don't typically do a lot of slides, but over the past two weeks we have. Because this has been a, a real blessing for me. And I want to be a blessing to the congregation here. So, I want you guys to see these things. So, here was me on the temple mount okay for those of you who know in jerusalem there was a place where the jews believed the old testament temples were and now there is a shrine that is not a um, mosque that is a temple uh, excuse me that is a shrine that is called the dome of the rock and it's believed that's in here is a stone the arabs believe that abraham i'm not, not abraham um muhammad jumped off into heaven today it's even bizarre i think it's incorrect the jews believe that stone is the stone in which adam was created from and i don't think that's true but the thought is is that's where the holy of holies was whether it was in solomon's temple or whether it was in zerubbabel and herod's temple now, I got to go outside. This is me on the south side of Jerusalem. That's I believe the southern wall, and that is the mosque that's on the Temple Mount. And that is the Al-Aqsa Mosque, okay? Al-Aqsa means farthest point in the the Quran, it's never mentioned that Muhammad went to Jerusalem it just says that he was taken to the farthest point. And so the, Jew, the, the Arabs have said, this must be the farthest point. And so they have put on the Temple Mount, this mosque, Al-Aska, Al-Aqsa, the farthest point. So here's another slide. This is the other side. This is when I was actually on the Temple Mount. And so over here is where that shrine is. Um, the the temple the dome of the rock and so uh, at the other end of the temple mount is this mosque here i wanted to get this picture and i wanted you to see as these guys were coming in this was early in the morning it was about seven thirty in the morning and there's a whole gar- group of um, jewish soldiers that are leading about 20 jewish men to come and pray on the temple mount because the arabs don't want them to be up there but they've gotten permission the jews have said this is what we want to do we want to be able to go up there and so they were coming up to pray um and they were going to pray up on the temple mount that morning all right so as i'm up there you know and i'm in israel one of the things i'm wondering is like you know god you 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 tell us matthew 28 verse 19 go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit we as a church, we do that. We have our clothing outlet. We had a great clothing outlet again this week. We had over 100 families. You yeah, guys should be encouraged. We went door to door this week. We've done this in the past. We do all kinds of evangelism. You guys personally do evangelism where you share. Why, why do you tell us to go out and you didn't do that for Israel? Do you ever wonder that? Um, the Bible's clear. The church is the get out. And I've always taught passages like Amos chapter 9 that's quoted in the book of Acts chapter 15 God wanted Gentiles to be saved non-Jewish people to be saved and so how was that supposed to happen and today I want to show you something and I want you as we go through these three examples I want you to be extremely blessed by them so if you look at your sheets um, the very first thing I want you to see is through the topography and turn your Bibles I want you to see this verse and hopefully you've got your Bibles and I always encourage you, I wish you have written books, but I know some of you still have your phones and you use your phones. But go to Ezekiel chapter 5. And Ezekiel is a passage where God is condemning Israel. He's bringing judgment upon them. But I want you to see this verse before I I put up the slide. And Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5 says this. As God is upset with Israel, he says, Thus says the Lord, This is Jerusalem. I have set her at the center of the nations with lands around her. But then he goes, but she has rebelled against my ordinances more wickedly than the nations, and they're being judged. But what I want you to see, and I want you to understand, is that God put them at the center of the world. Now this doesn't mean it's like (coughs) absolutely perfect geographic center, but I want you to understand, as we look at this and try to understand, how did God get his message out? Topography means the lay of the land. Israel was at the center of the world. And so here's Israel, and this is Israel at the ancient world. You have what was Greece and Rome, you know, Europe. You have Africa, and then you have Asia. And if you wanted to go from area to area to area, guess where you had to travel from? You had to go through Israel. Now, you say, so big deal. I, couldn't we go through here? No, there was a giant desert, the Arab desert. What? What, when you're in Israel... What our guide took us through was showed us how these lines, these are... I I found this old map, and basically this is um, during the 700s. All of these lines are trade routes, okay? And what I'm trying to really get you to see is, like, here's Jerusalem, here's Israel. But if you were coming from Europe, you would come down here, and you, you would be forced into areas that went by the key cities of in israel and so if you were coming from asia you would come in and you'd really have two routes you really wouldn't want to go through here you wouldn't want to go through this area because you're going through you go through desert and that'd be a really hard track down here okay if this is um let me see if i get the best i can tell okay um yeah, you have the Dead Sea, and then up here is the sea. Of, up here is, is the Sea of Galilee. Right through here is called the Jordan Rift. I don't know how many of you ever heard of it. I really didn't understand it until I saw it. The Jordan Rift is the deepest gorge in the entire world. You you go down far, 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 far down into the earth, and that's when you come down to the Dead Sea. Jerusalem is protected nobody would want to bring an army through the desert and then go down to this deepest gorge and then have to come back up to come in to attack israel it's amazing how god put israel in this center of the earth and so you have these trade routes that are all coming up and and you have you have egypt if they want to go up and they want to go into asia or they want to go up into europe they were always forced to go through israel why is this so significant? Well, I want to show you. First of all, these pictures, this is us like in the, Je- just as Je- my son Joshua at the Jezreel Valley. We're on top of a mountain, and I, I can't remember, if this is um, like, might, might be Mount Megiddo, but you can see we're on a mountain here, but over here is another mountain, and, and, and this plain is where one of those trade routes where everybody would have been forced to, through to go. We went through this other, um, this is down by the Jezreel Valley, and the Sea of Galilee is right over here but you can see you're up on these mountains and as you down here is a city and you were forced to go through and no matter how you wanted to travel you were forced to go through certain cities through these valleys and you would be forced to continually go past um, certain key spots in Israel. Uh, you can't see, but there are caves right here. And there's passages in the Old Testament where, where the kings would fight from these caves. But, again, you would go through these valleys. You wouldn't climb over the mountains. All right? Again, this is the, that same view, those mountains. Those You can see the caves a little bit better. You can see a little city down here. And I can't remember which city that was. But I'm going to make it really clear here in a second. Um Again, the Sea of Galilee is right here. This long picture shows you this, this valley. And if I would go back to the trade routes, when you're up north, there were like three main routes. Everybody was forced to go through them. And the, and the impact of this, what is the result of this typo, all this topography? Listen, passages in the Old Testament that I would read like this. I would like blow over and I wouldn't understand. And now, like I've told you over and over, the Bible's become alive to me in a different way. So here's this passage, you all know Joshua chapter five. Joshua is a book where they're going in, they're gonna possess the land. And it says, now it came about when all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west and the, the kings of all the Canaanites who were by the sea heard how the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan before the sons of Israel that they had crossed that their hearts melted. It wouldn't have hit me as much before, but now it hits me. You see when it says, all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west. When we looked, and I don't know if I can go backwards and go real quick, at the map. Uh, come on, come on, come on, come on. I wasn't planning to do this, but I'm doing this now. Basically, Israel crosses the Jordan River down here, but because these people because the message gets out, what he's saying is all these people that were along this trade route, all these people heard the message. And then it, the message goes down into Egypt. When I want you to start reading the Old Testament and it talks about different people groups and how they hear of it, you, this event was happening over here, maybe like where this, right, um, where this one trade route is, but then because people are all carrying the message out, god has sovereignly taken this land so that people all over the world were hearing it and i didn't take it for the time but if you would go back and you start looking at hey you know when israel crossed the you know the red sea down here you know what and 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 when david kills goliath it's down in here all of these things you're going to see are on these trade routes God told you and I, Matthew 28, go out into the whole world. What got me goosebumps when I'm there, the world was told to come to Israel. Do you get that? That's what blows me away. When you look at this and you see God wanted Israel to be at the center of the world. Ezekiel 5.5, I put you at the center because I want everyone coming to you and, and you know, they didn't have planes at this time, so when they, all the kings of the Amorites, who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings who were by the sea, that's a vast area, but it's all along the trade routes, and so you understand this topography, people heard about God, and so... This is another picture that somebody was on a, a tour, that, uh, uh, and that's that's a helicopter, and they're flying over. That's the Sea of Galilee. And what I want you to see is, you know, these people as they went through, they you had to come through, you had to come through as you're coming from the north, you're coming from Assyria, you're coming from Babylon, and you're, you know the spice routes or whatever. You're you're doing your trading. You are going to come by the major cities of Israel. And so, here's the Sea of Galilee, you know, people, they congregated by the water. So, where does this take, like, us, one of the things we can learn? Well, one of the things, a passage that I want you to remember going forward, where it's kind of, like, even makes it even more, um, might even be clear. Listen to this passage that you have heard many, many times, and I hope it gives you new life. This is in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus brings condemnation upon three cities. He says this, then Jesus began to, to, to... This is Matthew 11, verses 20 to 24. You can, you can go back and read it yourself. Then Jesus began to criticize openly the cities in which he had done many of his miracles, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. If the miracles that have been done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted in heaven? No, you will be thrown down to Hades. For if the miracles done among you have been done in Sodom, it would have continued to this day. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for the region of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. So Jesus condemns Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Why those three cities? Interestingly enough, only miracles in Capernaum are written in the Bible. But he says, I've done so many. Well, listen, here's the Golan Heights. You come down a trade route, you're going to go to Chorazin. You're going to go to Capernaum. If you're going to come down on this side, you're going to go down Bethsaida, and you're going to go down the Great Rift Valley, the Jordan Rift, the Jordan Rift. Listen, these weren't arbitrary cities. What I want you to grasp, what I want you to understand, Jesus, even working through the Old Testament economy, didn't just arbitrarily pick cities. To do miracles in. He took miracles so that people, as they were going up and forth, this is why people, sometimes you read people that were outside the Gentiles were rushing to come to bring their people to be healed by Jesus, because he's doing it in such a way that the entire world, as they were called to come into Jerusalem, come into Israel, he was using that. And, and I just got goosebumps. I, I was like, I, I was absolutely, um, I'm blown away when you actually see it how god sovereignly picked the nation of israel and used the topography of it so when you read ezekiel 5 5 and it says i put you at the center of the world then you get blown away because god top used the topography of the entire land and the entire world so that he could get his message out what a blessing But then it just didn't stop there for me because then we learned about the tabernacle. And you might want to turn to this passage. You know, I've always heard about the tabernacle. I've always been aware of it. If you're unaware, this is a passage from Exodus. And it says, And they shall make for me a sanctuary, and I will dwell amongst them. And in the book of Exodus, it gives the details for this tent, tent, um, place of worship that God wanted. And so... It basically, when we went to Israel, the Jews over and over pictured it this way. And it never really hit me until I saw the way the Jews themselves pictured this. And it says, now on the day of the tabernacle was erected, the cloud covered the tabernacle, the tent of testimony. In the evening, it was like the appearance of fire over the tabernacle until morning. So it was continuously the cloud would cover by night, day, and the appearance of the fire by night. And I don't know why, but it never hit me until I was there and I saw as they had different reconstructions of this, like, wait, this was was an incredible spectacle that was going out so that when people were going through those trade routes, when people were going by, first of all, as Israel wandered in the land, and then when they went to Shiloh, this thing was always glowing. I mean, think about it. If there was something in Munster and it was always glowing, wouldn't you want to go see it? And if we all had to go down Calumet, the only way to get through someplace was to go up and down Calumet Avenue. So if we wanted to go from from Crown Point to Hammond, we all had to go up and down Calumet Avenue. And every time we went through Munster, there was this giant glowing thing you would say this is a pretty incredible god's trying to get his message out and what happened was this great light was used and that's why if you go back and you take that verse that i just showed you numbers 9 15 to 17 we call it the kind of glory it you've got to remember god was trying to get people aware i'm here i've got a presence the, the, the temple of dagon all the pagan temples they didn't have this This was something supernatural that God was doing to let people know there's something different about me, all right? And so a great light was used, and obviously this is a picture. This is a picture of the tent and the tent of meeting, and and we don't know exactly how it says, how it looked, but the Bible tells us this fire, this flame went up into the sky. So this is one way that the Jews have portrayed it. But what even took me to another uh, level was Shiloh here it is shiloh shiloh is in the center of israel and it's on these major trade routes okay i tell you this is where you feel like as a pastor i feel like absolutely kicking myself how did i not get this how did i miss this how could i have understood the bible tells us that they went to when israel finally got done wandering for 40 years they went into Shiloh you know so you got you got Jericho which I I passed out shards from last week and um, we went to Jericho it's over here and they they conquered it and then they you know they conquer I and then they come here and they camp and they stay there and Israel goes to this the Shiloh and and the nation has set up an incredible display this is now one of the the, 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 the best places you can go in israel and it's shiloh and it and they put up this um this poster or whatever it says after 40 years of wandering in the desert the children of israel entered the promised land here in shiloh Joshua bin nun that's joshua the son of nun establishes the mishkin and here in the lottery he divides the inherited portions of the land between the tribes remember in the book of joshua i think it's in chapter 12 or so they 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 they, they, they divide the land and so the daughters of Israel go out to dance in the vineyards on the 15th of Av. Hannah prays for having a child. You go up into this, this, this big building and they, they, they put this movie on where they show the tabernacle. And they show it with its flame. And, and then they show where Hannah came and prayed. Those of you, you know, if you ever you know, look at that passage where she's hoping to have a child. And um, they've got some uh, really interesting display there and so here I got to go to Shiloh and this is the location and they put up different banners to represent the 12 tribes where they all got divided and so today you go to Shiloh they know that this is where the actual tabernacle was. And what hit me was, remember the glory was seen, so I put this picture here. But I wanted you to see this is me on the top of Shiloh. And it's sort of like a mountain-like area. And it's up high so that people from a distance could see. Remember, this whole message is all about how God tried to get his message out. And I I, I was reminded that they were in Shiloh for i get this number wrong. Maybe it could be 365, 369. They were there 365 years. And I started thinking about that. And then someone from our, our tour group says, wait a second, that's longer than the United States has been a nation. Think about in this area right here on this mountain pass, this place, okay, right here, God had that tent with a flame coming from it every single day. Didn't God try to get his message out? Didn't God try to get his presence out? It was absolutely phenomenal for me to be in Shiloh. And I want you to start thinking about it. Whenever you see Shiloh in the Old Testament, I want you to think about that now. I mean, because I know when I read passages in 1 Samuel, and you, you think, oh, well, they were at Shiloh, I just blow over it. I don't want any one of you to ever blow over it anymore. I'm never going to blow over it. But then what happened? We know that that... David has a son named Solomon, and he wants to set up a temple. And the temple, and the temple gets set up in Jerusalem. We don't have any pictures of what that temple looks like. We do believe it was on the Temple Mount, but what this temple is portraying, and this is what Israel once again showed, and it really hit me. I'm thinking, why do you why no, place after place are you showing this glow? It's because shekinah of glory and you and i don't. maybe we don't we read our bible we don't think it doesn't you know it doesn't come with pictures and so it doesn't hit you but what, for me it finally hit me this area of well th- this location had this glow and had this incredible presence of god god not only used the topography not only used the ta- the, the, the tabernacle but now he used the temple There is no verse in the Bible that talks about when Solomon dedicated the temple in 1 Kings 8 that I could have found where this glow was described as coming in. But we know it was transferred. We know that it was brought in because we know what happened at the end. And I've shared with you before, um, one of the saddest pictures in all the Bible and you can learn from this, is in the book of Ezekiel. Because remember, the book of Ezekiel we read from chapter 5, and it's a passage dealing with God's judgment. In Ezekiel chapter 10 and chapter 11, Israel is turned their back upon God. They're not being faithful. The northern tribe has been captured in 722, 605, 597, and 586. The Babylonians are coming upon Israel the judah what's left and before they can finally come in and destroy the temple what is god saying god is saying you've broke my heart you broke my heart and i'm leaving you and when you go to ezekiel chapter 10 and 11 there are three times it says the glory of the lord went up from the threshold of the house, and the house was filled with the glory, and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. And what it does is God basically God's glory gets up and takes a step out. And then God's glory gets up and takes a step out. And God's glory takes a step, and it goes all the way to where Ezekiel 11 says, and the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood over the mountain, which is the east of the city. And this is where I got to stand, and I got goosebumps thinking this is the east here, this is, this is the Dome of the Rock. Can you see it? Okay. This is where it went. And it stood there. That glow, it stood there. And Israel, like they could care less. And I want you to passionately always remember that because I don't want you ever to, to, to turn your back upon God. As a side note, there's, to be buried in this location for a Jew is a real honor. And for those of you who saw the movie Schindler's List, Schindler's grave is right in here. Okay. So just a side note, all right? So <laughs> Joshua got to ride a camel. You can see this is the east. This is right from, right from the east. And so there's the, there is the temple. And you can imagine, if that, that, if that whole area was glowing, what it would have been like, okay? So what happens? If you know Israel's history, Babylon comes in, and finally, in 587, the final destruction... Okay, they come in and they, they destroy the temple. And we don't know what that looked like. But what we do know what happens next, what we do know what happens next, Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel and then Herod rebuilt the temple. And in Israel, they've got this giant mock of what the city looked like. And these are the temple walls down here, for those who are interested, was where the city of David was. And, and that was a big concern for me. Like, where was the old temple? And, you know, could the temple have been in the city of David? And there was no way it would fit here. There's nothing that indicates it was here. This is where they built this giant temple. And here's another picture of it. I, want, I got a close, more close-up. What... This was, this was a retaining wall. This is Fort Antonio. You, you see it in the book of Acts. But what we know is you know, from the books of Ezra, the books of Nehemiah, and then from the time when Jesus comes on the earth, guess what? There's no glory cloud. There's no glory cloud. It's not shining. And, and what, what God was going to do Remember, he left in Ezekiel. He was going to come back, but how was he going to come back? He was coming back with Jesus. And here's a passage from Amos, and then it's quoted in the book of Acts. And after these things, I will return, and I will rebuild what? The tabernacle of David, which has fallen, okay? And I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by name, says the Lord, who makes these things known long ago jesus was coming back to bless the temple he was going to be the light he was going to be the shekinah glory okay he came but we know he was rejected what we know is because of this right because jesus came to to the jews on the the, uh, you know the, the the triumphal entry day they reject him and remember jesus gave that quote not one stone would be unturned basically because you've rejected me In 70 A.D., the temple is destroyed. And here's a famous picture. I I don't know who did it, but the the Jews have that temple absolutely destroyed. Titus, the Roman general, burns the city, burns the temple down. Because the gold gets so hot, it goes in between the stones. And he says, go get it. And because he gets it, he he turns over every stone. Okay? Okay. And you see, this is a famous picture of them taking out the temple. And what's that right there? But the menorah. Now, why is this important? Because you'll see as we go forward. Here's the warning of Jesus. When he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day even you the things which you make for peace, but now they have been hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you and surround you and hem you on on every side, and they will level you by the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation that was fulfilled literally and this is my little plug for sunday school because we're studying daniel chapter 9 right now and how it needed to be taken literally this was taken literally so when i'm in israel all for the longest time i've always thought where people go to the western wall that the western wall was the temple but it's not it was a support wall okay and and what happened was when they destroyed the temple and they went and they got all that gold before we had the opportunity to go to israel we worked it out so that we could fly standby to keep our costs down and my son and ethan verhagen and i stopped off in rome and we took this tour of the Colosseum. and our tour guide says to us you know that this was built with what this is this is an incredible facility this is a like a football stadium this was like the chicago Bears stadium you're absolutely overwhelmed and it was built in the 70s ad and it was built with the money from the destruction of the temple and 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 i've always heard that the romans tore down the temple in 70 ad all right right so you hear that how do i know that's true so i go to this temple i go to the Colosseum. And there's Josh, there's Ethan, and we're standing outside it. this is about 8 a.m. in the morning, we're going to take a tour, and here's where we're on the inside, an incredible facility. I didn't know that the, the, the Colosseum had a wood floor. Everything that you see under here was where they had the offices or the, or the organization where they kept the gladiators and they kept the lions underneath. And so now you can see it. And so they had, absolute, they had elevators that would take the people up from the floor, uh, up from the basement, up to the floor. So we, we, we had what was called the gladiator tour. It was an incredible experience. And so as we went out, we, we, we went around to the backside, and we're on the backside, and here's Ethan and Josh. They're looking over. There was a giant agora. And you see what this is? I'm telling you, when I was in Israel, this brought me to tears. You have to understand, for me, this brought me to tears. This is one of the greatest things I've ever seen in my entire life. This is called the Arch of Titus. Who destroyed Jerusalem in 70 AD? Titus. So we got down there and we go to this, and this is as we walk to this. This was built, I don't think, like 79 AD. This was to commemorate the fact that they destroyed, that, that, that they came through and that they had won a great victory against the Jews. And when we got up close, there's Josh and here's Ethan. And can you guys see what that is? That's a picture of the Romans carrying out the menorah. Okay? That was built. And our guide says, yeah, yeah. And he doesn't know. He's not a believer. He's just saying, yeah, there's up there where they, they, they had the victory over the Jews. But that's exactly what Jesus said every stone would be unturned they overturned they they're gonna come in and they're gonna destroy and they're they're commemorating it this is a i I got a closer up picture because we couldn't get up that close but you can see they're carrying away the jewish menorah so the temple where god wanted to get his message out had been destroyed and the message was taken away now i'm telling you i this is a closer up so you know the seven light the seven candlesticks i encourage you to study it. But this was so confirming to me because, you know, I read this in books, and, but then you see it in person. The Romans destroyed it exactly like God's Jesus said it would happen. Here's the Western Wall. This is Ellie and I about 9, 10 o'clock at night. The Western Wall is a retaining wall. I told you last week we took a tour. This is like... If, if we were if, if you if you had a, a wall a third of a mile this is just one part of that this is like you know like a hundred feet all the way down here we went for another third of a mile underground and saw how great and how incredible this retaining wall but it isn't the temple there is no temple there today okay this is the closest to the Holy of Holies. And I went down there, and I, I told you last week, I prayed, I prayed for our church, I prayed right there. That's where I was. The Jews come in there, and because the temple was up here, they believe that's as close as they can get to God. And they're wrong, we know that, but that's what they're doing. The temple isn't in existence today. They're, the retaining wall is not the temple. There's nothing for the temple. But the Jews incorrectly today think that to get close to God... What do they have to do? They have to build another temple. And, oh, please don't jump. Here's the future. The Jews are ready to rebuild the temple today. And I went to this place. This was like one of the greatest blessings I got by going there. Right outside, it's called the Jaffa Gate. They've got, this, they've got these offices. And you take this tour, the Temple Institute, and you go through these five rooms. And I would encourage you, if you go online... Temple Institute, I think it's.org. Um, you can watch part of the video. They have everything ready to go to rebuild the temple today. The temple could be up in one or two days. And why that's significant is because I shared in Sunday school. The Antichrist in the middle of the tribulation comes into the temple. There has to be a built temple, and he has to declare himself God. As we look at our day and age in which we're living, As God, I think, wants to get his message out, and he wants us to go out into the world, part of the thing, the urgency is, is today the temple isn't in in existence, but the Jews are telling us that they want the temple to be constructed. You go through this room, and they show you how they have all the different elements, how they've got the clothes ready, how they've got all the things ready to go for sacrifice, how they're—I know that they're also training the priest. I've shared this with you before, but for me to actually see it, and then at the end, they show a video, and they say three things that blew me away. Number one, they say the children are ready, and they make, uh, they make an appeal twice, so the first time and the second time. The temple has to be built. And they're crying. And they get anyone that goes through this, and the Jews are regularly going through this, and they're seeing this, we have to build the temple. We have to build the temple. Now the question is, is how are they going to get over on the Dome of the Rock, right? That is, for someone else, is going to resolve it. But for me, to actually see them talk about the plans, and then they show you the exact plans that they have, this thing is ready to go. But they can have a temporary one up in one day. And then for me, as we're walking through the outside of Jerusalem, the, the, on the outside of the temple wall, this is the actual manure. Remember you saw that up on the Arch of Titus? This is the actual manure that they have made out of gold. People, I got goosebumps. It's ready to go. This, they're ready to start the temple. This is, and then you read this inscription, and it says, "This is the this is the menorah that we're ready to use in the temple today." And you had to sit there and say, "My goodness, we're living history. This is so exciting. What we're about to see unfold through human history. We need to get the message out. The menorah is ready to go. Where did I go next? The Antichrist in the third temple. This is. I found this online." The, 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 there's an antichrist who's going to come and the book of Second Thessalonians says he's going to come and he's going to sit in the temple and he's going to cl- declare himself to be God. And the next message that goes out from this temple is going to be a false message. It's not going to be a true one. Okay? So where does that leave you and I? How do I conclude this? Remember, we've been studying First Corinthians and one day we'll get back to it in August, I hope. But remember in chapter 6 it said that we today... Are the temple of the holy spirit and i want you to think about as we go out today you know the bible says that god lives in us if you're a believer in jesus christ god is in you so you know you look at the topography you look at the tabernacle and you look at the temple and i show you the picture of the glow god says don't let your you know jesus gives a certain amount and he talks about the light that shines in us have you thought about the fact that okay in the context of this passage our temple, our body is not to be used for illicit sex, right? But what he was trying to say and what he's trying to get at is that we today, God is using you. In the past, God used the topography of Israel. He used the tabernacle. He used the physical temple. But today, he uses you. Think about it. What are you doing to get God's message out? When you go out today into the world while you're going, whether it's door to door or whether it's just talking to a neighbor or a coworker, You've got to get this message out. And what I can tell you is if you've really got to challenge yourself. Ask yourself, why aren't I telling people? Why aren't I sharing this message? This is the most important thing in the world that God is, and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God has worked throughout human history to get his message out. And I want us to be a church that says, okay, you know, today he's not using... He's not using the tabernacle. He's not using a physical temple. He's using my body. And I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Am I being faithful to be used by God to get his message out? You know, part of the thing that I've been blown away, and some of you are visiting, you may not know this, but in 2004, the Sanhedrin, the same Sanhedrin that was in the time of Jesus, officially reorganized. And last October, they put out a declaration, it's time for the temple to be rebuilt. People, we are living in incredible days. We are living in incredible days. And so, remember, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. This passage tells us that people can only come to faith if they hear the message. Are we going to be faithful witnesses? Because Matthew 28, 19 says, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My hope is that everyone here believes, and everyone goes out. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what you've allowed me to see so that I can bless this congregation. I know, Lord, this is an more unusual passage. We didn't text, I mean sermon. We didn't delve through details of text, but we looked at a lot of pictures. I hope these images make an indelible impression upon people. I hope that they remember the topography. I hope they remember the tabernacle in its glow and the temple in its glow and then the temple without its glow and the temple with its false glow yet to come. And then, Lord, they remember a passage that tells them that they who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ are a temple as well. God, I'm asking for your blessing upon the work that we do. I believe we have a very faithful church here. We have people who understand and want the word of God taught. I believe we're a church that believes that there's only one way to get to heaven, that's through Jesus Christ. And I'm asking God, as our people faithfully go out, as our people labor with the clothing outlet. Labor with Awanas. Labor in um, our VBS. Labor in, in a 180 weekend away. And our people just labor as they try to work, reach their neighbors and their co-workers. That you'll bless our efforts and we'll see many people come to faith. How of us have a heart for the lost. And they have the same heart that you had. You worked to have Israel be a perfect nation in its topography. You work to have a tabernacle so it reflected your glow and a temple that reflected your glow. Oh God, now you've graciously allowed Jesus to go to the cross and die and pay a penalty so that he can reside in us. And for us, may that temple light go into the world. In Jesus' name.